the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today, your host and former Russian military defense minister. Uh, Vladimir Putin's defense minister, according to the Times Mirror, has vanished with heart problems. Uh, Sergei Shugo, Shiogu, probably how you say that, has not been seen for 12 days. And old footage or pictures have been shown of him on TV, say reports in opposition Russian media. There's a picture of him on that website, Times Mirror, and it's a picture of of Putin uh, with this defense minister. And Putin is grabbing his face, and he's got this look on his face, and it looks just like Michael Corleone grabbing his brother Fredo's face, saying, I know it was you, Fredo! It's a scary look. That's what it looks like. And uh, I bet that guy is going to probably die of those heart problems, or maybe he's going to get covid uh, or something like that. Maybe not. Maybe he shows up in Poland one day and uh, we have a defection. Who knows? But uh, I think we're going to see heads rolling. We're going to see lots of stuff happen, and I'm concerned. I am definitely concerned about what's going on over there simply because uh, we don't know what Putin's going to do if he loses this or if it looks like it. And uh, what I'm concerned about is maybe we do know what he's going to do. Uh, so I thought I want to take a few minutes not lose and not lose track of this war over there because I think it affects us greatly. I'm wondering what you think uh, a month into it, a month into it tomorrow. Um, are you concerned about it still or are you more concerned about how we're affected by the gas prices? It certainly affects us. Somebody once said Trotsky, I think, is who gets credit for it. Uh, you may not be interested in the war, but war is interested in you. So it's going to affect you. Do we get into the war, boots on the ground, flying planes, if Putin uses chemical weapons? What do you think? Does that get us into the war? What if he uses a tactical nuclear weapon? Tactical nuclear weapon is a smaller nuclear weapon that he can drop in a neighborhood or a certain city, and it'll wipe out about 10 square miles. Um, so, you know, five miles, uh, no, what, two and a half miles. How do you do this? Two times, two times why do I not? Two times five. Okay, just do the math. Ten square miles. It's a smaller. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, anyway, I've been so confused because for the last couple of years I'm doing seventh grade and fourth grade math. And now I can't even do the math anymore because it's all different. Uh, do we get into this war? What, do you have any thoughts about this? What are your thoughts? You can call me right now, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. We're on from 3 to 5 each and every weekday in all of Southern California uh, from KKLA. And uh, we hope that you join us each and every day. You can put an alarm right on your your phone or in your Alexa just to remind you to tune in from 3 to 5. And we have a great conversation together as the church gathering together to talk about the issues of the day and to take a look at it from a Christian perspective. And I enjoy that very, very much. Uh, and I know you do too. It's great to be part of the family here with you. 888-528-2557 is the number. And if you can't call, we do have an email address. You can email me at SoCalLive, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And we'll try to get to that email while we are on the air together. 
888-528-2557. All right, so um, the war is raging on, and one of the, the issues that is a pretty big issue right now is our government, the United States government, is making the claim uh, that Putin and the Russian military are guilty of war crimes. Now, everything that happens in war is an atrocity. I mean, there are atrocities happening on all sides and tragedies, and there there are very fine lines that are crossed between if civilians are killed and civilians are going to be killed. Is it a deliberate attack on civilians? That would be a war crime. Or is it an accidental attack on civilians uh, because you bombed the wrong building or you made a mistake or there's shrapnel, you know, all those kinds of things, in which case it's not a war crime. People got together and they decided, you know, what's a war crime and, and what is it? Uh, those kinds of things. You know, you're, you're not supposed to shoot a medic on the battlefield. There's a rule about this. And nobody follows that rule. Sometimes the first person who gets shot is the medic. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how war goes. President uh, Biden has said today that he expects that it's very possible that there is a real threat of Putin using chemical weapons. And the assessment of our government, the State Department, is that Putin and the Russian military are committing war crimes. This is from the State Department, Beth Van Schack, who is the uh, spokesperson. Play clip four. We have all seen really horrific uh, images and accounts from the extensive and unrelenting attacks on civilians and civilian sites being conducted by Russian forces in Ukraine. There have been numerous credible reports of hospitals, schools, um, theaters, etc., being intentionally attacked, as well as indiscriminate attacks. Russia's forces have destroyed apartment buildings, schools, hospitals, other elements of the critical civilian infrastructure. We've been shocked by images of Russian forces and strikes hitting civilian sites in Mariupol, including the maternity hospital, a museum, and an art school. The United Nations and other credible observers have confirmed hundreds of civilian deaths, and we believe that the, exa- the exact civilian death toll will be in the thousands. It's a horrible scene over there. Um, and, you know, anytime we've seen the, this kind of war, um, it's terrible. We're paying a lot more attention here than we've paid in other places. And one of the reasons that we think that the Russians will likely use chemical weapons or maybe even biological weapons, maybe the nuclear weapons, is because they've done it before. I took a look. You can, you know, I went back and I looked at the attack in Syria when Putin got involved in the Syrian civil war. And we had some people over there and it created a lot of controversy, you know, for us. And President Obama had the red line uh, that Putin crossed and then we didn't do anything. And then generally we didn't do a lot in that battle going over there. Um, and you know, the Syrian president's a bad guy and Russia was on the same side. And I think we had a harder time seeing why that is relevant to us. Didn't change our gas prices too much at all. Right. Um, but what we see, what's interesting is when I read this article, when I took a look at these things that were done, uh, in the Syrian war, I'm reading the same comments that we're seeing now. Uh, Russia is blaming, just like they're blaming Ukraine for, having the chemical or biological weapons um, plants that's making them. They did the same comments in Syria. 
and they blamed the West for actually using the chemical gas. We know that chemical weapons were used in Syria, chlorine and nerve agents, according to a BBC article from 2018 that is investigating all of this. And the United States government in 2017 accused the Russians of doing this, and the tests proved that it would be true. And as you go through this from the years of that war, Russia denies and they blame the West. And back then, the UN uh, Secretary General called it a new Cold War, said the Cold War is back. Now, this is four years ago. And when you start to read all of this, when you start to read how Russia moves in and they blame uh, the West for a provocation of war, it's all exactly the same rhetoric. We learned nothing from all of that. I think later on, many years from now, historians will go back and they'll push the politics aside and they'll have some conclusions to what happens. But I think going back probably at least to 2008 with the Putin's invasion of Georgia, not the state of Georgia, there's a country called Georgia, in case you were worried about that, uh, if you're listening in the uh, great peach state of Georgia, um, that historians are going to say that we, the West has been blowing it for years, that we did not take this guy seriously when we should have. We've always kind of known that he was evil, that he was a bad guy. What do you think we should do if he uses nuclear weapons? Does that get us into the war? I, I think it probably obviously depends on where he does it. Uh, is it going to be in Ukraine or is it going to be in Poland? If it's Poland, it probably pulls us into the war. We would be required to by our treaties, so that would be a big deal. Uh, if it's in Ukraine, do we? What if he uses chemical weapons? It's it's one atrocity after another there. And how do we as the, the church learn to do something about it? Uh, it's pretty hard, isn't it? I, I struggle with this because uh, what do I do? Well, I can give some money and I can talk to my friends who are Ukrainian or Russian or who are personally involved. I can check on missionaries, which hopefully you can do that in your church. Check on people who have decided to stay, support those groups. Be very careful about fraud. There's a lot of fraud, a lot of phony baloney you know, charities out there. Uh, make sure that wherever you decide to give, that you've really looked into it. Um, make sure that it's an organization that has some kind of rating, like on GuideStar. Do you know that, that there's... Uh, there are Charity Navigator, GuideStar. There's different websites out there that you can look at that will tell you what that charity is about and kind of uh, are their financials open? Are they, um, you know, are they spending money in the right place? Those kinds of things. There's a lot of debate about that in the uh, nonprofit world. I'm not trying to get into that debate, but especially for things like this, uh, make sure that if somebody asks you for money for Ukraine and your heart is is pouring out to that, that you really. Do the research and, and do that. 888-528-2557 is the number. I'd like to know a month into it, how are you feeling about the war? Um, is it boring to you? Do you feel like it's uh, none of our business and that we should not talk about it? I've heard some people say that. Do you feel like um, it's a lot of our business and we should be a lot more involved, sending weapons, maybe boots on the ground? I wonder sometimes if we do have boots on the ground, Navy SEALs or people like that who are secretly there doing the training for the anti-tank missiles and things like that. You know, one of the things I think that we can do as believers is make sure that we're supporting uh, people that we know and people in our community who especially are Russian or maybe Ukrainian. Do not do not uh, uh, persecute these people. Somebody told me today, a friend of mine said that his buddy is runs a, a restaurant here in town. He's Russian, and he's received about 30 death threats, 30 in the past month. So once a day, somebody's calling him to threaten him. 
And uh, I guess that's what they think is that, oh, I'm doing my part. I'm going to threaten the Russian guy at the restaurant who has nothing to do with any of this. Isn't that a weird thing that we would do that, that the human beings would just – it's just an oddest thing. Don't do that. There's an op-ed in the L.A. Times about this today. It's going on not just in you know small places, but it's going on a lot where um, there are people who are being attacked – uh, because of where they were born based upon this war, whether they're Ukrainian or whether they're Russian. Uh, one person in the LA Times is uh, Mold- from Moldova. What do you say, Moldovian? That's probably the right word. And uh, they're getting hit a lot. You know, when we when COVID came out, uh, a lot of Asian people felt that they were being persecuted and there were cases where that's going on because of the COVID, because uh, it came from uh, China. And uh, it's just wrong. Why do we do that? It's such, a, it's such an odd thing, I guess, to do. But I think we do it because we, as people, we have a lot of fear. And that's, that's not an excuse. That's what we, what we do. And that's, it's just completely wrong. Uh, so don't do that. Lift up your brother and sister who, uh, in Christ, especially if they're believers, uh, maybe you should assume that if somebody is Russian or they speak Russian or they're from Ukraine or from that part of the world, um, that they have received some kind of threat or maybe they have some kind of uh, internal fear going on uh, because of all of those things happening over there. Um, that just amazes me that, that people do that. 888-528-2557, if you want to join our, our conversation here. Um, about 40,000 people have been killed or wounded uh, or captured in Ukraine. That's a NATO estimation, according to CNBC. Of those, about 7,000 and 15,000 Russian troops uh, have died, uh, according to an official. And uh, if that's true, if that number is true, what is being said is that the Russian invasion has been decimated by the Ukrainians. I didn't realize this, but I guess militarily speaking, if you lose 10% of your invasion force, and that's what 15,000 troops would be, between seven and 15,000 troops, then your troops have been decimated. And that's a, a huge deal. A, a month ago, people were not saying that. A month ago, people were saying Ukraine is going to fall in a couple of days. And I think if Zelensky would have just left, if he would have taken Biden's ride and set up his government in London or some other place, that would have been it. I think the Ukrainian people would have likely quit. A lot would have stayed and fought. But, you know, when your leader leaves... That's what happened in Afghanistan, right? That guy said, oh, I'm going to stay and fight. And then he took all the money in the country and he left. Uh, and it fell in a couple of days to the Taliban. Same thing would have happened in Ukraine had Zelensky left. Uh, that didn't happen. What people are concerned about is as the Russians are failing, you know, a big part for the Ukrainians is that they win by not losing. That's a big part of their of what happens in Ukraine. If they do not lose, uh, they win. And... It's hard to know. There are a lot of stories that come out that turn out not to be true. Some of it's fog of war. We just don't know. Some of it is propaganda that gets put out there, stories that are completely made up for the, from the standpoint of driving the conversation, and that happens in war. Somebody said that the first thing to get lost uh, in a war is the truth. Uh, the first casualty of war is the truth. I believe that is probably the quote. I think that that's right. I think that's a really, a really good one. Another quote that is relevant, though, somebody said that if you – a lot of these quotes, they're not really sure who said it. Right? It gets passed around to different people. So I'm going to say Scott Furrow said it. Uh, always surround your enemy on three sides. 
That's the idea. Meaning that you give your enemy a way out. Otherwise, if they're trapped, then they might just do something desperate. A lot of people are thinking that Putin is trapped, that there is no way out because of what he did is such a failure, a colossal failure. And it is. It's a colossal disaster. Um, It's really hard to see how Putin uh, survives. Now, we shouldn't put it past uh, the economics of the situation and how much oil and gas is being used by Russia uh, and how evil that will be. Uh, how evil that uh, turns out to be if people are like, well, we're going to give them another pass, just like we did in Syria, just like we did uh, in other places. But I don't think so. I think this is probably, I think this is probably it. I think Putin is done. I think that there are conversations where people are saying, you know what, um, we have to remove him somehow. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he gets a cold. Or maybe Putin's going to catch COVID and disappear for a couple of weeks and not come back. Uh, That's kind of the old Soviet way of handling it. Um, Do not be surprised if that happens. One of the things that is also interesting that's going on, this is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557 is the number, is the Russian Orthodox Church in Russia is backing Putin's war. And when you take a look at it, the patriarch, his name is Kirill. Um, he's sort of the, he's the leader of the Russian Orthodox Church in Russia, and he's defending Russia's actions and blaming the conflict on the West. And most people believe people in the West believe that he's been in Putin's pocket for a while. So something that Putin has been leveraging with faithful people in the Soviet Union, you couldn't really have uh, church at all. All right, it was illegal. You had some for political purposes, some churches, but basically religion in general was not allowed. You, The state was the supreme authority. This is where it goes, by the way. If you don't believe in God, if there is no God, or if you have an atheistic society, an atheistic point of view, you have to have some other kind of authority. And unfortunately, it's only going to be the state. That's what happens. And that is scary. In all of human history, that never works out well. And it didn't work out well in the Soviet Union, although lots of people became Christians in the Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union fell The number of requests for Bibles and missionaries was huge. And there's a lot of genuine Christians uh, in the former Soviet Union in Russia. Um, I read a poll that said 90% of people in Russia claim to be Christian. Now, a lot of them aren't. It's sort of like in our country. A lot of people say that they're Christian because that's the box they check. And they went to Easter services once or they um, got baptized when they were a baby and They consider themselves Christian, even though they don't know anything beyond that. That's definitely the case with a lot of people there. But there are a lot of real Christians, but there are a lot who are tied into this church, which most people now believe Putin is using to leverage uh, his authority by claiming a religious right, by being able to say to the people, see, I brought the churches back. But he limits it to the Russian Orthodox Church that apparently he has in his pockets. He is very opposed to evangelicals. He is very opposed to the proclamation of Jesus Christ as the Savior. Open Doors puts Russia now on their list as the countries where Christians are most likely to be persecuted in the world. Did you know that? Uh, The Russians, uh, the Christians were not on that, Russia was not on that list until the last few years. They were on that list when the Soviet Union was running the show, but after the fall of the Soviet Union, the uh, persecuted Christians lists, Russians dropped way down, even came off the list. Now they're back. That's how bad it is actually for 
for lack of a better word, evangelical Christianity, for people who believe that Jesus is the Savior, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm saying this to you because I think you need to know this. I think it's important. And please be praying about this. Please be praying about um, what is happening over there, even though it's a month into it and our attention span is shifting to other things now. And I I really get that, but at any moment, we could be drawn into a war. And uh, our kids and our daughters included, our sons and our daughters, uh, might be taken into this war. That's possible. Our dads maybe and our moms, people who we know. So do not lose track of this. Pray about the war and find somebody who you know. Go patronize a restaurant that might be Russian or Ukrainian eat the food, get to know some new people, support those people who are getting getting attacked. I think this is an important thing for the church to do. If you're wondering, what can I do? Build relationships. The church is about relationships, ultimately. The church is about bringing people into the family of God, sharing the gospel with people. And the best time to share the gospel with people is when they realize that the only hope they have, ultimately, is that there is a Savior that the hope they have is that the wars and things like this will one day stop, that one day the lion will lay down with the lamb and that we'll beat our swords into plowshares. Those are the the Christian teachings. This is what we are about. This is what Jesus will eventually bring about. We have this great message. Don't miss this opportunity. And if you know somebody who has a Russian background or Ukrainian background, realize that they're probably suffering in some way, and maybe they're not talking to anybody about it, Maybe it's just internal anxiety, but they might have actually had to face uh, some kind of persecution, something really bad that has happened. You can join our conversation, 888-528-2557 is the number. When we get back from the break, we will take your calls and continue our conversation here on this Wednesday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live on this fantastic, very warm day in SoCal. I'm excited about it. Uh, I need it. I'm, I, uh, you know, I'm having one of those days where, you know, I've got a lot to do and I'm tired. And I joke about uh, the coffee drinking, you know, kind of. Uh, I do like the coffee. I enjoy it quite a bit. But uh, today's the day where I'm like, no, I, I need the coffee. And do I need it? Is that bad? Is that bad that I need it? You know, one of the things that I have never done is I have never tried a energy drink. Do you drink those, the energy drinks? I've never tried one. You know why? Because it scares me that I'm going to like it. It it worries me that I am going to like the energy drink. I just get a little black coffee. That does just fine for me. But uh, energy drink, I think of that little jug that you're supposed to give you, you know, five hours of energy or whatever. I mean, that sounds amazing. Imagine what I can get done. But then I think to myself, the crash after it. Do you crash after that? Do you have heart palpitations? How does this work? 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. Southern California Live. I think of it as, uh, did you ever watch the Popeye cartoons? Do they still show those if you're younger? Did you watch Popeye? Do you know what I'm talking about? The Sailor Man. Popeye the Sailor Man. There's a song. And uh, he would... He would be this kind of lethargic, little wimpy guy with these tiny little pencil arms. And Bluto or Brutus, depending on which version of Popeye you're watching, would steal his girlfriend olive oil away. And then Popeye would eventually get beat up by Brutus pretty bad. 
and then he would eat his spinach. He would pop open this can of spinach, and then there'd be the music playing, and suddenly he would have these amazing arms and strength, and he would just beat the tar out of Bluto and rescue olive oil, and he would come back and save the day, and then they'd sing that song, you know, I'm strong to the finish because I eat me spinach. I'm up by the sailor man. And he'd sing that in every episode, and that would be the end of the show. My thought has always been, does he crash after that? Like, does he go to sleep for like two days after he has that spinach? That's that's what I think would happen to me if I had a, uh, one of these energy drinks. I think I'd be out for two days. I think that's what happens to Popeye. We don't see that part, but the next day, olive oil has been kidnapped again by Bluto. I think that's because Popeye's out of it for a couple of days, and uh, Bluto recovers and takes him, and there you go. Anyway, um, yeah, that's me today. I don't know why I'm telling you that story, but, you know, we're getting to know each other. Some other things in the news, uh, Madeleine Albright passed away. Madeleine Albright, former Secretary of State. She was the first woman to be Secretary of State at the time. In the Clinton administration, she was the highest-ranking woman in American history. And she has shared that job with uh, Secretary Condoleezza Rice and Hillary Clinton, maybe somebody I've forgotten in that list, so uh, forgive me if I, I didn't. Those are off the top of my head, Secretaries of State. Probably you would say today that the highest-ranking woman in the United States ever um, other than women on the Supreme Court, maybe you'd put them higher uh, than even Secretary of State. Probably not. Secretary of State, probably the highest ranking. Uh, but Vice President Kamala Harris, first woman vice president, would you say that's a better job higher than Secretary of State? I think that it's a matter of opinion. The story is that Barack Obama offered Hillary Clinton in exchange for for her giving up her presidential bid in 2008 – that she could either be Secretary of State or Vice President, and she chose Secretary of State. I think most people in Washington would choose Secretary of State probably uh, if they really wanted to do a job or they felt like it was important because the thing is about Vice President is you don't really do a lot. Unless the president passed away, then suddenly you're the president, um, which I know is on people's mind. Uh, Madeleine Albright, she's known also for basketball diplomacy. In October of 2000, she gave Kim Jong-il of North Korea, who is Kim Jong-un's dad, uh, gave him an NBA basketball signed by Michael Jordan. This was the diplomatic mission that she was on. Uh, he loves basketball. The guy, uh, he just loved the basketball, and he wanted one signed by Michael Jordan, and there you go. It didn't do any good um, as far as our, our mission over there. Dennis Rodman, you remember him? Who's he on the Bulls and the Lakers, I think, at some point, maybe a few other teams? Um the guy with all the tattoos and piercings, well, he would go over there. And he was, if you, if you just look it up, if you don't believe this, for sure, he was, his, his, he was a self-appointed ambassador to North Korea, and they received him, and they would talk about basketball. And he would come back, and he would give all kinds of advice to the Clinton administration and then later to the Bush administration about what to do about North Korea. And what he said is that Kim Jong-il wanted to meet Michael Jordan in person, not just get a basketball, or he wanted a call from a U.S. president, a personal call. Well, he died, uh, and his son took over, and unfortunately his son had uh, the same haircut and the same attitude about the world. And uh, his son got a call from U.S. President Trump, and uh, they sent a bunch of letters back and forth, and Trump went over there. Remember that? Trump actually went over there, shook his hand and uh, seemed like there was some progress being made, but all of that stalled, and now that's over. And if you haven't been paying attention to the news, North Korea has been launching missiles again. Something, though, that Madeleine Albright said that was pretty funny. She was asked about on CNN, Wolf Blitzer, 
who's been there for 112 years. He said, asked her what she thought of Dennis Rodman going over there. She said, I think the main thing here is this. I promise never to play basketball if Dennis Rodman promises not to do diplomacy. I thought that was a funny line. Good line. Good line from her. Anyway, she passed away today. Don't know about her faith. I hope that she knows the Lord. You ever just take a look at the newspaper, see what's in there? Op-ed in the LA Times today, how an economic embargo put in place by JFK is making Cubans go hungry. Uh, So I read through that uh, 50 years ago. Let me tell you what's making Cubans go hungry. It's the Cuban government is making the Cubans go hungry. That's all. Uh, They need to open it up to free elections. And there's a few things they could easily do to make life better for people in Cuba. And you might have an opinion about that, but uh, don't don't blame JFK. 50, how, how long ago was that? 60 years ago. Um, and President Obama opened it up for a while. They didn't make any changes. I think President Trump uh, reversed President Obama's openness to Cuba, and most people supported that. And there's some pressure on President Biden now to reverse Trump to go back to Obama's opinion, but that didn't work too well for them politically, so I don't think there's any way he's going to do it. Uh, And that's probably why this story is being written. Some good friends of mine who are, um, uh, I think, were open-minded about what might be happening in Cuba. They actually got to go to Cuba a few years ago when it was briefly more open. And they came back with pictures of empty shelves and long gas lines and all of this stuff. And they were completely convinced that it's the Cuban government's fault. And uh, all they had to do was go there and do that. 888-528-2557. Something else I read, and I'm wondering how you feel about this. Have you ever wanted a safe room in your house? According to the LA Times, demand for safe rooms is skyrocketing in Los Angeles. Do you know what a safe room is? It's a, it's a part of your house, like a secret room where you could hide in it if somebody broke into your house. Uh, and demand for safe rooms is skyrocketing. There are There's a company that it is talking about, Building Consensus Panic Room Builders. That's the name of the company, and they specialize in the building of safe rooms, and they're saying it's going insane. Do you have a safe room in your house? Like an actual safe room, a place where you would go and hide, like a vault. You open up the kitchen cabinet or something, and you go down a slide, and you're in some hidden hidden room. Do you have this in your house? I guess some of you do. Some of you are putting it in there. You can put one in for $100,000, $150,000, according to this argument here. Is that what you want to do? Someone's breaking into your house. I guess you go into the safe room. How often does this happen? I would love to hear from you if you have one in your house. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. According to this article, they're building these safe rooms with biometrics. Usually a finger or retina scan is required to get in. It's like science fiction. It's like, so I put my eyeball up to this hole and that's how I open the door. It scans my my retina. That's for real. This is happening right now. And it's gone, they're making them to be comfortable now. It used to be just sort of bomb shelter type of thing. We had a bomb shelter in our backyard. Somebody had to fill it in. It wasn't for people. It was for food, um, which I guess some, you know makes some kind of sense. You want to make sure the food doesn't get... Uh, uh, full of radiation and stuff. That was the idea of it. It was built back in the 50s. There's also an emphasis on comfort, this uh, article says. It's gone from a steel cold room where there are a bunch of cameras, and now it's more of a serene feeling. We say it's an everyday use room, which can be needed and turned into a safe haven. So you wouldn't know what room of the house you were in. Uh, you wouldn't have a clue. Is that what you want from your safe room? You want it to be uh, nice and comfortable? I guess so. How long are you going to be in there? 
How do you know that the bad guys have left your house? <laughs> How long do you stay in there? There has been an increase in people who also want to buy bomb shelters. And in a similar way, the bomb shelters are being not just holes in the, in the floor or in the, uh, in the ground, but comfortable multifamily bomb shelters you can buy. And what kills me about this is you can buy one where there's like six different tubes where your family lives in each one. So six families can live there. And then the middle of all the tubes is a family room. And in the artist concept drawing of it, there's this huge big screen TV. And there's like a cable box sitting there. I'm thinking, will there still be cable TV if the nuclear bombs are dropping? What are they going to watch? That's the world we live in. Are we in so much fear? How much fear do you have right now of, of crime? It's definitely happening more. There's a word in this article that I I took some issue with. It says, because of the perceived increase in crime. Are you required to put the word perceived in there? I think that there is an increase in crime. I mean, everybody knows this, right? I mean, we are having an increase in violent crime like we have never seen. Uh, Not never seen, but we haven't seen it for maybe 30 years. In the 90s, early 90s, there was a lot of violent crime in L.A., New York. Uh, New York is lamenting that they're going back to that period of time. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, when he became mayor, one of his big things was was getting rid of all that crime, making New York more of a, a place you can go to visit. Right now, San Francisco is so bad with the crime that if you go to the mall, um, everybody's armed. The stores have armed guards outside. You know, there's some guy with a shotgun standing outside of the gap. That's the, the world that we suddenly live in. We have a lot of work to do, my friends, as believers are you afraid of the world we live in now? Do you feel like you can't go out? Do you feel like it's unrecoverable? Let me know. Give me a call. 888-528-2557. That's the number for Southern California Live. 888-528-2557. That's the number. And uh, so I'd like to hear from you if you are feeling like you, you can't even go out because it's not safe. I'd really like to hear from you if you're buying a, a safe room or if you want one, like for real. Or do you already have one? I mean, that would be a cool story to hear. That's the number. Before we go to break, I want to remind you that you can go to kkla.com if you're in the Los Angeles, if you're listening on KKLA 99.5, and many of you are. If you're in San Diego, you can go to kprz.com, and you will find all kinds of ways to connect with other believers, different events, different things, uh, missions to support, all kinds of different programming that brings us together as the church here in Southern California. And I encourage you to do that. Go to kkla.com. Right now, check it out. There's a lot of great things that will help you grow in your faith, help you connect with other believers, and we can connect with each other right here on this station. You're listening to your Wednesday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Southern California Live on this fine Wednesday. Great to be with you today. I'm Scott Furrow. You can give us a call, 888-528-2557, and join the conversation. 888-528-2557. Pat in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Yeah. <clears throat> Greetings. Hi, Pat. Uh, How are you doing? Say, I'm fine. I just want to say we, the citizens of this world, this planet, we had a lesson from Adolf Hitler, Benito Mussolini, Joseph Stalin, so on and so forth. How come we didn't have a mechanism to stop these kind of leaders when they take over a nation? We have to scrutinize them to see they're not going to be 
turned into dictator. Yeah. And as we speak, nobody talk about a guy named Isaiah Forky, a small country who just got independent 30 years ago, voted for Russia. He killed 2 million people, and nobody knows about him. Who is this? This is in Africa. His name is Isaiah Forky. There were four nations support Russia and the United Nations, North Korea, Syria, Eritrea, and Belarus. Eritrea is a small nation. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's crazy. And we, as human beings, we don't learn the lesson, do we, about totalitarianism and how to get there. Pat, where are you from? Djibouti. You're from Djibouti? And there is another guy who won a Nobel Prize by mistake. His name is Abiy Ahmed, ruling Ethiopia. He already killed 900,000. Yes. We have, uh, we've got a problem, don't we? That we, sometimes we support dictators, right? Like we're opposed to some and then we prop up other ones. That's been, uh, yeah, part of our. He, he, he tried to kill all of us. That's right. Well, I thank you for your call, Pat, and I appreciate your insight. You're right. As, you know, the world, why do we keep putting up with this? Forever totalitarian systems end up oppressing and murdering people by huge numbers. Huge numbers. That that concerns me about our country when we have people who, you know, kind of want – they wouldn't say they want this kind of system, but sometimes we say, well, we want a socialist system or even a communist system. It's why? Why have you looked at the history of that? Yeah, well, capitalism has problems and there's greed. Yes, there is problems with capitalism. I promise you that when Jesus returns, he's wiping out communism or uh, capitalism just like he's wiping out every other ism. But until then – you know, you've got to have freedom. People need to be as free as as possible. When we take away the freedoms, people die. Huge numbers. Stalin killed 20 million of his own people. There's a, a famine that Stalin instituted in the area of Ukraine where he starved people to death in, what, 1931 or something like that, or 30, 1936. Um, and then he just purged and killed people that that were not on his side. And this is typical. We saw it with Mao in China. We see it with totalitarian, totalitarian governments, as Pat was just saying, in uh, Africa today. Uh, in some of those countries, it's horrific. Uh, and I think we're learning that lesson with Putin. That was what we talked about at the top of the hour, that what he's doing, we've already seen him do it in Syria, and we saw him do it in Georgia. And we've known this is his character. We've questioned this about him ever since he came to power. And now we know fully. What are we going to do? Why do we keep supporting this? Why does any country keep supporting this kind of, of leader? Appreciate your call. Uh, I've got a call on line two here who's nameless. Is that your name, Mr. Nameless? Oh, she. See, I didn't know. You had a, a very uh, a genderless, name nameless name. What, what's your name? What's your name? My name is Kim. Kim? M, as in the letter M. Oh, your, your name is M. Amazon, Amazon, whatever name um, could be anybody. All right. The letter M, you know. All right. All right, M, what's on your mind? Um, I guess the comment was previous question regarding bomb shelter. Is that right? Uh, We were talking about bomb shelters and more specifically safe rooms that people are putting in their houses in uh, big numbers, apparently, in Los Angeles. Los Angeles? Yeah, um, so the conversation we were having is this happening in L.A. 
Do you have a safe room in your house or a bomb shelter in your house? Was that a statement from some person? I didn't hear the whole comment. Yeah, um, it was actually an article in the L.A. Times today. But was it validated by actual people doing it? Yeah, it was. Uh, thank you for calling, Em. I appreciate it. Yes, uh, this is for real. This isn't uh, made up. This is actually a company, all right, that is putting these in. And that was a big part of the, the conversation that we were talking about is that, you know, and I asked the question before we went to the break, are you feeling so afraid that you need to spend the money to do this because of the crime that is rising in, uh, in, our, in our culture? Uh, and in particularly right here in Los Angeles, um, or in California, wherever you are, it's rising in uh, just about any part of the major cities. The article, if you want to look for it, is Demand for Safe Rooms Skyrockets in Los Angeles. You can find it there. 888-528-2557 is the number. Another thing going on in the news is uh, you might be getting another stimulus check. You might be getting a couple of them, one from the federal government, 100 bucks per month. And the point of this is to uh, give you a break on the high gasoline. Uh it's called the Gas Rebate Act of 2022. Our government seems like it really likes just handing out free money, uh, the federal government. It's not money we have, by the way. We have a $30 trillion debt. Uh, we have a massive budget deficit in the trillions of dollars. So it's important to know. It's important to realize that if somebody were to give us $30 trillion, we would be broke. That's, that's the position we're in. If somebody were to actually give the United States $30 trillion as a gift somehow – we would be broke. We would have zero. That's what that's what our situation is. Now, Governor Newsom today, uh, just a couple hours ago, is proposing a four hundred dollar rebate for all California car openers, uh, car openers, car owners, um, and free public transit for three months. Now, what he says is he's getting that because we have a surplus in our state, uh, which is kind of true. Um, it is true, except that we have some unfunded liabilities coming in our state. So right now, yes, we have a surplus, but uh, that might get eaten up in later years. But while you're the governor and you have a, a surplus and you can hand out the money, at least that's a little better. At least it's money that is essentially a tax refund because that means if the, if we have a surplus in the state, that means you've been taxed too much. So uh, $400 per registered vehicle up to two per person. You might be getting $400 or $800 for a per-registered vehicle. I suppose that means if you have not registered your vehicle, you should go do that to make sure you get your $400. Of course, it probably is going to cost you $400 to register your vehicle here in California. Um, how do you feel about that? Is that a good thing to do? Um, I feel better about it coming out of the surplus, even though I question the, the, the surplus in our state. If we were thinking of things long-term, maybe we should be investing it somewhere else. But at the same time, I like the idea that we're getting our tax money back. I don't like the federal government doing it because it's money we don't have. They're just printing it. And I realize that the um, administration likes to say that inflation is not caused by deficit spending, but I think that's wrong. I think the reason that our inflation is going out of control, and yes, we have gas price problems because of the war and things recently, but inflation's been going up for a while, for a couple of years, and that is because we've been going crazy with the national debt. And when coronavirus hit, virus hit in 2020, we gave – what did people get? They got a $1,200 check. Then they got another $1,200 check. Then I think a $600 check. I mean you might have got a lot of money as long as you've been paying and filing your taxes. Every American – think about that. It's trillions of dollars we've spent. We've overspent. This is why we have inflation. You're going to pay it back. The $100 a month the federal government's going to give you, it's not money they have to give you. 
It's money that they're creating out of thin air, and you're going to pay for it in higher taxes and in higher prices for everything. That's just the way it works. Do not be deceived. That's how it goes. Anyway, though, in the meantime, and they're doing that, maybe it'll help you. So in the in the short run, maybe it helps you. If I can give you some advice with it, if you get that $100 a month, you might have to put it in the tank, and it might really help you. If the state gives you 400 bucks for your car, great. At least that's a tax refund as far as I can tell with all of that. But if you don't need it, give it away, pay off debt, put it in the bank uh, because you're going to pay it back eventually. That's how the economy works. Uh, you can't just keep creating money out of thin air and do all of that. All right, a little bit of wisdom for you as we end our program today. Um, I hope that you have uh, enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for being a part of it. I am enjoying being with you every day here on Southern California Live. I'll be with you again tomorrow on Thursday. And, uh, you know, if I can just leave you with a thought about some of the things that we, we talked about today. I, was, I didn't have a chance to go to the event that KKLA put on, Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile. Um, and you, but you can watch that at kkla.com. Uh, just look for that event. And uh, I'm watching through that. One of the, Dennis Prager was one of the guests on there, Dennis Prager, who's on our sister station here. And, you know, one of the things he reminded people, it's an old quote, and it's that if you don't believe in God, you will believe in something. And that's kind of what we're dealing with in our culture today. If you don't believe in God, you're going to have to believe in something. And he said, this is why we believe all of a sudden as a culture that a man can have a baby. And this is why I think we believe that spending money you don't have is not going to have consequences. That you can believe things that are absurd or things that are very unlikely to be real because you don't have a foundation for what is true. My friends, make sure that your foundation for what is true is right. Get into your Bibles. Read the Bible for yourself. You know, the Bible is more available today than at any time in human history because you can download it on your phone. If you have a smartphone, you can get a free copy of it. Just look for the Bible app. You got it. You can read it all the time. Do you do it, read it every day or do you just rely on the shows that you're listening to or church on Sunday? Read it. I promise you, even the parts you don't understand, you'll think about them and God will help you and there are tools for you, but most of it you are going to understand. And it will help your life. It will give you a foundation for what is true, for what is accurate, and it will help you navigate this really odd world that we live in where lots of things are being thrown at us that don't make any sense, and we know that. It'll help you know what to do, and it'll give you hope for tomorrow. You know, for believers, this is true. If you're a believer in Jesus, your best days are always ahead of you because you get to go be with Jesus one day. I hope we can encourage you that way. Thank you for listening to SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back with you tomorrow from 3 to 5 right here on KKLA. God bless you. Have a wonderful Wednesday evening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.